Hey, good morning. How you doing? Come on, let me hear you. Good morning. How you doing? Good morning. Welcome to Victory Church. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting, I want to give just a couple of announcements, a couple of a little bit of direction before we get into the message today. Uh, first of all, if you're visiting, maybe it's your first time you've been here a few times, but you haven't had the opportunity to connect. When you came in, you were given a paper connection card. There's actually two ways you can do this for us. You can fill that card out, or you can also text to connect is what we call it. So there'll be a number coming up on the screen. You can text VICTORY18 to 31996. So in your phone, the number's 31996. You send VICTORY18. It's going to send you that same connection card, but in a digital form. So you can fill it out digitally, or you can fill it out the paper that's in your hand. And then if you're physically here, if you're online and you do that for us, we'll reach out to you and connect you if you're physically here. We'd ask you after service to go right over to our Welcome Center and either give them that card or you can show them on your phone that you did it. And we have a special gift for you just to say, hey, thank you so much for choosing to spend your Sunday with us. Uh, it's just a privilege to have you here today. Next, if you're looking for a way to give, so we give three ways here at Victory. We do it through our online platforms, our website, our app, tnvictory.com and our app. You can also text to give as well as texting to connect it's on the screen. And then if you're just wanting to give cash or, or check or in one of the old-fashioned ways, as you're leaving out today, there'll be an auditorium host with a bucket to be able to receive those that way. Every Sunday, we like to share a little bit about what we're able to do in our community and um, both international and national ministries and missions through your faithfulness and giving. Uh, last week, we celebrated our partnership with Isaiah 117, and we were able to bless them. If you weren't here, we were able to give them $500 worth of gift cards that they could use to be able to feed the kids. So come on and give God praise for that real quick. And then a couple weeks ago, we were talking about, uh, we were doing our vision series. We were really pushing the urgency to return to sharing the gospel. And one of our Victory Dream Team members said, got really excited about it and said, you know, I just want to find a way to be able to pray for people. There's a season right now that we're in where I feel like people need prayer more than anything with all that's going on. And so she was trying to figure out a creative way to do that. And so she came up with a cool idea. She paid for it. And then what, what she did is she gave it to us so that we could give it to you. And so I'm going to show it to you real quick. Uh, this right here is a yard sign that she had designed. So if you can see this, it says need prayer. And then you can just text prayer. So if, if you're one of those people that likes to put information like this in your yard, uh, it's set up to where you can just put it there, and as somebody's driving by, they can text this number, and that number comes to myself, to Erica, to the young lady that put her money behind this, and it just gives us the opportunity to pray for them and make connection. So I just thought this was really cool because it's not so much about, hey, come to my church as much as it is, how can I just pray for you? And so we, I think we got about 15 or so right now. So if you're somebody that says, I would love that, love to put it in my yard, as you're leaving today, let us know, and we'll give you one so that you can do that. Can I hand that to you, Tim? I don't want Jeff to have to step on it later. So uh, I just want to encourage you, again, if that's something that you're excited to do, you'd be passionate to do, get one of those so that we can join together with people in our community and pray for them. Amen? Isn't that awesome? I just think that's awesome. I think that's awesome when somebody says, I'm going to go out of my comfort zone to be able to minister to somebody that I may not even know. Uh, a couple of quick announcements before we dive into the word calendar-wise. This Sunday, right after church, is growth track. So right after service, we try to do this about the end of every month. And so after service, you'll see some people with signs, and you can follow them. It's about a 30 to 40-minute class, and what it is is it tells you all about victory. It tells you about our values. It tells you about who we are, what we believe in, and then it also helps you learn a little bit about you and what it is that you're interested in, your gifts. It helps you know what next steps to take and how to get connected. And so again, whether you've been coming for a while and you just haven't gotten connected or whether it's even your first time, we just encourage you about 30, 40 minutes. They'll direct you where to go right after service. You can get all the information, answer questions, and so on. And it's your opportunity 
to take a next step in getting involved, connecting, and serving in victory. Last but not least, a few weeks ago, we announced the launch of our small groups ministry. And so the second week in October, we'll be launching a curriculum called Rooted. It's a small week, 10-week long curriculum. Um, And we've already had people let us know about their interest in signing up. And we're wanting to be able to get as as much information together as we can so that we can present the, the most excellent experience. And so when you came in, you were handed this little white sheet of paper. And if you are interested in small groups, we ask you to fill that out you'll see that we offer it three nights a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And so you can just mark which night works best for you. You can put that in the bucket as you're leaving. You can hand it to the Welcome Center. And that allows us to contact you and say, hey, just wanted to give you more information about it. Wanted to see what night works best for you because we're trying to spread everybody out so that we can still keep pretty intimate groups and really dive deep into the Word. I'm really excited about this curriculum. Darla and I are going through it. Everybody, all of our leaders are going through it. We're just passionate about this when it comes to discipleship. Uh, It it gets us out of our box when it comes to prayer. So many different things. So I'm really excited about it. So if you're one of those people that have been saying, man, I need, I need, I don't feel connected or I need some accountability or I just want to know more about God, this is your answer, okay? This is your answer. And so don't walk out of here today without Uh, being able to take advantage of it because it will launch the second week in October and you'll have to wait until the next uh, time it happens, which will be sometime early in the new year. Amen? All right, you ready for the word? Tell me, say I'm ready. All right, I felt some of you. All right, all right, I'm excited. All right, if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, whether it's on your phone or you have your paper Bible, Acts chapter 12. We as a church have been studying through the book of Acts. We started The Sunday after Easter, we finished the book of John. We studied through the book of John together. And then the Sunday after Easter, we started Acts. We did take a break for a series we do called At the Movies. That was a huge fun. Uh, And we will take a break coming up for a couple of holiday months to focus on a couple different things. But we like to go through it kind of like a chapter a week. But often we don't get that far. And so it's why we are just in Acts 12 today, even though we started right before Easter. Uh, I do want to say this. I, I, I kind of gave a little trailer as to what today would be about on Facebook, and so many people were commenting going, you know, I need that message. We all need that message. If you are one of the people that after they go, man, that message was for me, I really want to encourage you to come back next week as well, because this is kind of Acts 12a, and next week is kind of Acts 12b. And here's what I mean by that. Today, we're going to look at the perspective of this story. It's an incredible story about faith. We're going to look at it from Peter's perspective. Next week, we're going to look at it from the church's perspective, and I think you really need both. I really do, Um, uh, and so I just think it's going to be good, so I encourage you, if you can, if you're in town, you know, do your best to be here so you can put these two messages together and really will encourage you, all right? You ready? Acts chapter 12, verse 1, we're going to start reading. I will read through about verse 11, and then we'll get into it. It says, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. So everybody's preaching Jesus. King Herod comes in, he arrests with the intention to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. So he removed his head with a sword. And when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, in other words, when he saw that this supported his political agenda, when all of a sudden he was very popular amongst the people, he proceeded to seize Peter also. So he's caught and killed James, and now he's caught Peter with the same intentions. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. It's telling you that so that you know the time frame of the year that it happened. So after arresting him, Peter, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. So four, 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 guarding him. 
Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. He wanted to wait till after the Passover because there would have been a lot of people there for the Passover who might have rioted against him. So he would rather wait till they go home so that he could just kind of get his agenda uh, passed. And so Peter was kept in prison. But the church, everybody say, but the church. I love that. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side, and he woke him up, and he said, quick, get up. He said, and the chains fell off of Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes, put on your sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. I love that. He thought he was seeing a vision. He thought he was dreaming. They passed the first guard and then the second guards, and they came up to the iron gate leading to the city, and it opened for them by itself, and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself, and he said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. I want to talk to you for a moment this morning from the idea, stop sleeping on your miracle. I am a huge sports fan. I just enjoy sports in general. I like football, I like basketball the best. Um, but I really love NFL in this season because the weekend's or at least Saturday tends to be kind of the down day for me and my family, so I like to watch college football. I don't watch a lot of TV, so I, it's fun when there's something on that I'm interested in. But the reason why I love the NFL is because on Sundays, you know, we have church, and then we tear down church, and then I often try to go to eat lunch with somebody. And so we're coming in the door at about 2 or 3 in the afternoon, and I'm exhausted, and I lay down, and it's, it's just really enjoyable to kind of lay down on the couch and have something on the TV that you're interested in. Like, like there you go. Yeah, we can, we can clap. You can clap for the NFL. It's okay. Jesus is a football fan. And so um, he's a Titans fan, obviously. And so, you know, you sit down and you watch football. Um, and it's great. It's enjoyable. I, I, I like multiple players, all right? Some people are team people. I get it. We got a lot of Packers fans here, Steelers fans, different things. I'm more of a person or a player person. Uh, and so there's just different players I like to watch. And one of them is a guy named Patrick Mahomes. I just like to watch him. He's creative. He's crazy. And I don't get to watch him often because of the time frames of their game. So I don't know. This was probably a year and a half ago or so, maybe longer, um, that he was playing at that 3 o'clock time frame. And that was perfect for me because I could do everything I needed to do, get home, and watch the game in its entirety. And so I was so excited, and I got home, and I got on the couch, and I turned the game on. And it starts, and I'm in the couch. I'm all comfortable. I think the kids are outside playing. Darla's probably asleep, and it's just me and the TV, and the game starts, and right from the beginning, it goes downhill, and before you know it, by like halftime, they're down by like three or four touchdowns or something. It's, it's insane, and I'm, my eyes are starting to get real heavy, right, and I'm trying to stay up to watch this game because I, I don't get to see him often, but let's be honest. They're getting destroyed, and so when halftime comes, I go, you know what? Forget it. I'm just, I'm just going to let my eyes rest for a moment. Y'all ever done that? You know what I'm talking about? So I let my eyes rest, and then obviously I fell asleep. The next thing I knew, I woke up, and the game was over. And on the TV, the guy was interviewing Patrick Mahomes. Now, what's interesting about that is people don't normally interview the losing quarterback, all right? That doesn't normally happen. 
So I'm like, what happened? So I turned the volume up, and the guy's talking. He goes, tell me about this miraculous comeback. And I'm like, no, no, like I missed it. They were getting destroyed in the first half. I fell asleep, and then this miracle happens in the second half, and I don't even get to see it because I thought, honestly, there was no point in sticking with the game. But had I stuck with it, I would have been able to see this incredible miracle. I want to talk for a moment this morning to those of you that you're trying to keep faith in a situation, but you're getting exhausted, right? You're really trying to hold on to the faith that you're hoping for, whether it be your marriage or whether it be your kids or whether it be a job or whether it be your finances or whether it be a dream in your heart, whether it be having a child, whether it be a healing, whatever it might be, you're really trying to keep your faith with that. But honestly, you're just getting exhausted. You've tried to stay optimistic, even though everyone around you is pessimistic. You've tried to stay expectant, even when every turn feels like disappointment. And you've tried to stay hopeful, even though it seems like everything around you is stacked against you. Anybody been there? It was interesting to me when I read Acts chapter 12, because if you know the culture of what they do then, it was very normal. It was normal soldier protocol to arrest someone and then chain a guard to them. That was normal protocol, that they would arrest you and chain one guard to you. But it's interesting that when you read about Peter, the Bible says that they chained two guards to him with two chains. And then it said they also put guards outside of the prison, right? And so I tried to imagine myself being Peter, and walking into this situation with faith, right? Like I've seen Jesus do some incredible miracles. I know what God's done. So I walk in with faith. And when they walk me into a normal prison, I still have faith. And when they attach me to one guard, I'm like, yeah, this is normal protocol. God's delivered people before. This is no big deal. But when they bring in the second guard and they chain me to the second guard and then they add more chains, and then they station guards on the outside of the door. I start to go, well, this isn't normal. And now my faith starts to go down. And then you have to believe that the rumors are circling on the fact that Herod just killed James. So now not only is Peter more chained than normal, not only does he have more odds stacked against him than normal, but the rumors already going around how God didn't answer the prayer for James. And I have to imagine that just for a moment, Peter's faith gets frustrated. And I'm learning that every time God wants to do a miracle in my life, the enemy will try to frustrate my faith by stacking odds against me that create doubt and fear. Every time God positions me in a place to believe him to do something, every time I start to have a little bit of faith, Every time I step out and believe that God's going to do a miracle in my life, here comes the enemy with something to frustrate me because he can stack it on. He can put more chains. He can put more guards outside the door. He can allow people to whisper in my ear, and I get frustrated, and I want to walk away from my faith because the odds are all of a sudden stacked against me. And it's one thing to hope for a miracle but it's a whole nother thing to keep your faith when things get difficult. 
And so when we're looking at this from Peter's perspective, here's the first thing I feel like Peter teaches us. Peter teaches us how to stay, how to stay. Let's go back to Acts chapter 12, verse 5 and 6. Watch this. Peter was kept in prison. So all this is happening. He gets arrested. He probably assumes that he'd be killed immediately, but because of the Passover, Herod waits and keeps him in prison. So he's kept in prison, says the church is praying earnestly. There's absolutely no proof that Peter knows the church is praying. He assumes the church is praying. We'll see that next week, but he doesn't know it, nor does the church know what's happening with Peter. So prayer is happening, but Peter doesn't know it. And then it says the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, the night before Peter's about to be brought to trial and then ultimately killed, Peter was what? Sleeping. Sleeping. Showing us that in the midst of all of this happening, in the midst of all of the odds being stacked against him, in the midst of absolutely nothing going his way, Peter chose to stay. He chose to keep his faith. The church is praying, Herod is scheming, and Peter is sleeping. And it just makes me think that Peter understands, listen to me, that often what is good for our feelings is bad for our faith. That's, that's often how we want, right? We want our faith to be built by something happening our way. We want to feel good about a situation so that we can have high faith. But listen to me, often what's good for our feelings is bad for our faith. It's real easy to keep faith when things are good. I was thinking about this the other day. Right now in our culture, it's really popular to start stuff. You know what I mean? Like, like everybody wants to start something. It's, 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 it's sexy to start something. People get on Facebook, I'm starting a diet. You know, they can't wait to tell you. Like, I'm starting, I'm starting a blog. I'm starting a podcast. I'm starting a job. I'm starting a relationship. Everybody's so excited to tell you that they're starting something. But here's what I always think is funny. I'll see somebody and they'll go like, I'm starting a diet. And I'm like, that's awesome. I don't tell them that because I don't want to talk to them. But I'm like, that's awesome. And then time will pass by and I won't hear anything. And you'll hear this. I'm starting a diet. And I'm like, you were just starting a diet. Like, what happened, right? There was, there was zero follow-up on them staying with what they started, right? You'll hear somebody will start a blog, and they'll have, like, one or two fantastic posts, and then all of a sudden, it kind of goes away. Or you'll hear someone say, I'm starting a podcast, and they'll have all the stuff, but then nothing really happens to it. Or they say, I'm going to start a relationship. And then the first time they experience any kind of opposition, they abandon it and they wait and try to start another one. And we keep starting things. But listen to me, the problem is not with starting. The problem is with staying. It doesn't take faith to start anything. It takes faith to stay with it. It doesn't take faith for you to start reading the Bible. It takes faith for you to keep reading it. It doesn't take faith for you to start a devotion. It doesn't take faith for you to start going to church. It takes faith to stay reading the Bible and stay in your devotion and stay in church. It's real easy to start something, but it's very difficult to stay with it. And here's the reason. Because every opportunity comes packaged with opposition. Every opportunity that you'll ever experience comes packaged with some type of opposition. I was thinking about this, and when Darla and I met with a bunch of our friends in Memphis, and we decided to move here and plant this church, and it was funny because everybody was excited. 
You know, we're, we're just, we're, we're all excited about it. This is so cool. And, and we're all a little bit excited because we're a little dumb. You know, I mean, let's just be honest. Like you're, you're you know, the craziness is also mixed with a little bit of ignorance. And you're just like, this is going to be awesome. And we started, we had about a year, I don't know, a year and a half or so from the time we started meeting to the actual time we would move here and plant the church. And I'll never forget this. Like at first it was really exciting. And then all of a sudden, all this opposition started. I remember that, you know, the church that Darla and I were on staff at, they had given us a time frame where they would cover my salary so that Darla and I could, you know, could figure out a bunch of stuff for the church. And uh, we were really excited about that. We had started raising money and all this kind of stuff. And I remember the pastor called me in one day and he said, hey, uh, and it was out of total respect and genuine love, no hard feelings, but he was just like, hey, the finances aren't great here. And so what we're going to have to do is, I know we said we'd cover your finances from here to here, but we're actually going to have to start taking them down like a percentage. So like, for example, January, you might get 100%, February, 75%, March, 50%, you know, you get it. And so that, at first I was just like, oh goodness, like that was scary to me. And then in the process of figuring all that out, we found out that our house had to be renovated. And so then we're going to have to put new floors in our house. And then our water heater broke, right? And, you know, it's all this kind of stuff starts happening. Certain people who were going to come decide not to come. Certain people who were going to commit money decide not to commit money. And all of a sudden, you're feeling all these oppositions. Friends who were moving with us were having uh, problems selling their house. And and it was just a wild situation. I I like to tell this story. Some of you have heard it, but I just like to tell it. Andrew and Amber are a couple that moved with us. And one of Andrew's... uh, one of the things that happened for Andrew when we decided to move here was his job said, if, if, if you move, you can keep your job. So you can actually work, you know, kind of obviously the, we're used to it now with COVID, but you can work from home and we can keep the money. It was really exciting and it was a great blessing for him. His wife was staying at home with their kids. And so um, it was a really cool thing. And so uh, Don and I are out of town and we get this message that his boss has, you know, changed his mind and that now if Andrew stays, he can keep his job. But if he moves, he loses his job. And I found out about that. Don and I were in Alabama, and we rushed back because all I can think about is how is he going to respond now? Like, like when we get there, what's he, what's he going to, you know, is he just going to be like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? And we asked them to come to a Mexican restaurant for dinner solely with the mindset of I got to go check the temperature of these guys. I got to make sure that they're not, like, you know, freaking out or whatever. And I walk in, and if you know Andrew, Andrew's our production director in the back. If you know him, he's just stoic. Like, you can't know if he's super excited or super down. He's just like, he's just the same man at all times. And I walk in, and he's eating chips. And I'm like, how are you? You know, I'm like, I'm like inching towards him, you know, like, hey, how you doing? You know, and he's like, I'm good. How are you? And I'm like, wait a minute. What's your? So I sit down. I was like, you're not. He's like, I'm not worried about this. He said, God will provide. And I was blown away by that because most of us, we are excited, right, about the opportunity. But when the opposition comes, it becomes difficult. And for Darla and I, it was really tough when you don't know where the money's coming from and you need the money to do this and you have that. And I've all told y'all about the time that I was mowing the grass and Beta comes outside and she's crying, telling me she doesn't want to leave her friends. And I'm like, God, right? Because sometimes my prayers are just the power to carry on, right? Sometimes my prayer to God is just help me stay because here's the catch. Watch, the mood you're in when it starts is not going to be the same mood you're in when it comes to the need to stay, okay? We're all excited when we start something. Woo, this is going to be so great. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of it, that mood shifts, right? Think about when you decided to, to start a diet or to go to the gym, and you were just like, man, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to have abs like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then all of a sudden, you had to wake up, right? Or you had to pass that honey bun or whatever it was, and you're like, I'm done, because the, the excitement, the mood you're in at the beginning is not the same mood you're going to be at in the middle. 
It's why we start off having all of this great faith about God healing our marriage. And then here comes opposition. And the mood we were in when we started having faith is not the mood we're in now that we need to stay in our faith. We started believing for our kids to be set free, for our kids to be delivered. We started believing for our bodies to be healed. We started believing for our finances to become obedient to God. We started believing for that dream that's in our heart. We started believing for that job that we wanted. We started believing for that baby. We started believing for that husband. We started believing for that wife. We started believing for that house. We we started believing for these things, and we started it with a great mood. But it's been a while, right? And now because of all of the setbacks and all of the unanswered prayers and all of the oppositions, The mood we had when we started is not the mood we have now when we need to stay. And that's what impressed me about Peter. Let's just just talk about it for a second. Peter's all excited when he chooses to follow Jesus, right? Think about being in some of those moments when he stepped out of the boat and walked on water. Think about it. Let's, Let's even fast forward and talk about once Jesus resurrects from the grave. We all know that Peter had some hard times, but once Jesus resurrected and reinstated him, Peter's excited. And then Jesus says, I got to go, and you got to preach the word. And Peter's like, I got you, Jesus. I'm fixing to preach like, I'm, I cannot wait. And now he's in prison, fixing to get, the mood he would have started with is not necessarily the mood that he's in now when he needs to stay. Let me give you a revelation that you may never have thought about. Unbelief takes time. Let me explain what I mean. Where you are in this season of, if, if you are someone who is struggling with faith and you have this unbelief, it didn't just come on you immediately. In fact, at first, you had faith. You were excited. But then the setbacks. Then the thing you asked for went the other way, right? Not only did God not say yes, he actually said yes to somebody else. You know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, all these things start happening. And watch this. Layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of things happen, and it builds you to a place of unbelief. And this is why we struggle. Because had God, and this is what we say, had God done it when we asked him, we'd have this great faith. But what God is actually trying to teach us is what it means to stay in our faith, to remain in our faith. Let's go back to Acts. It said that while Peter is in prison, the church is praying earnestly, earnestly. Now, when you look at that word, when you break down that word and you go to its original context, it actually comes from a medical term. And the medical term means to stretch the muscle to its limits, all right? That's what it means. So where they get the word earnestly, when they say the church is praying earnestly, what it means, it's taking it from a, from a medical term that says you are stretching a muscle. You are stretching it as far as it can go. So earnestly is I'm praying as far as I can go. I'm stretching it out. I'm believing. I'm praying despite what it is I'm dealing with. Now, let me share this experience I had the other day. I, I currently struggle with a plantar fasciitis issue. Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Anybody here struggle with that? You join the PF club. It's just how we are. You know, hi, my name is Troy Powell. I suffer from PF. And it's just, it's just, it's a terrible thing. And so I go to this store called Fleet Feet, and I'm trying to find out, 
you know, some shoes, insoles, all these kind of things. And I walk up to a lady that works there. I said, hey, I, I have plantar fasciitis in my right foot. I'm trying to figure it out. And she goes, okay. I said, I'm looking at some shoes. I got a gift card. And she goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. She goes, before you buy shoes, you, I, I would treat the plantar fasciitis. And I said, well, what does that mean? She said, well, first of all, you need to look at insoles. And I said, okay. And she said, and you need to do all your stretches. She said, are you doing your stretches? I said, I'm not doing any of my stretches. And so she starts showing me all the stretches. And I'm like, okay. And she goes, and I'll tell you what, if that doesn't work, then you need to get a stretch sock. And I was like, what is a stretch sock? I've never heard it. What is a stretch sock? She says, come here. She takes me over there. I'm not lying to y'all. This is, you can get this at Feet Fleet. I, I'm, I'm, I should get some kind of royalties from the store. There is this white sock, long white sock that you pull up. It comes to like right below your knee, okay? And at the toe of the sock is a strap, and the strap has a hook on it, and right here on the top of the sock has a hook on it. And you take those hooks, and you attach them, and it bends your foot like this and stretches it. And I was like, that looks terrible. And she said, so you do it. Watch this. She said, you do it, and then you go to sleep. Yeah, right. Who, yeah, who's sleeping like this? You know what I mean? I'm like, there's no way. She goes, no, it's important because it keeps the muscle stretching. Here's what she's telling me. It's not just about doing the stretch. It's about staying in the stretching form. It's about staying. In other words, it's not about praising God. It's about staying in praising God, right? It's not just about praying. It's staying in prayer. It's staying in his presence. But what we're trying to learn here is that for you and I to have faith, we got to stay. There's something about staying. And for some of you, that's your word for today. Because what you do is you start it, but you don't stay with it, right? You start praying until the first little sign of it not working and you abandon it. You start fasting, but then you abandon it. You start believing, but then you abandon it. You start going to church, but then you abandon it. You start reading your Bible, but then you abandon it. And for those of you who are that way, the word for you this morning is God is saying, stay, stay, stay and let God the level of miracles that God wants to do in and through you, you will only be able to experience if you stay. Something happens when you stay. We need to get to a place where we are rewarding people for staying versus starting. We always want to celebrate someone who's starting a relationship. How about the ones who are staying in it? We just celebrated, me and Donna celebrated 15 years of being married, right? Come on, come on. She, she, she is literally a walking miracle of God. She stayed with me for 15 years. It's incredible. And I know, I know we have people in the house who you're, you're, you're double that. And you should be celebrated because you're staying. We have to get away from being excited about people who are starting and encourage and bless those who are staying. Now, if you're in here and you're starting a relationship with God today, obviously we, we celebrate that. But can I tell you what the purpose of the church is? Is to help you stay. To help you stay in it. I read a book. I'll never forget it. It was a book called Emotional Healthy Spirituality. And the guy talks about this process that we go through as Christians. And he gave these, these certain sections. And it started off, we get saved. And then we start coming to church. And then we start serving in church. And he talks about this wall. 
And he says, every one of us, listen to me, listen to me. Every one of us have a wall that we hit. And for all of us, it's a different wall. For some of us, it's pride. For some of us, it's insecurity. For some of us, it's something that we've been dealing with since we were a kid. But there's a wall. And when we get to that wall and we hit it, we don't want people to push through it. So watch this. When the pastor's preaching it or our leaders are teaching it or our fellow church members are trying to help us with it, we don't want to push through it. So it says we start working our way back. And what God is saying is stay and push through it, and experience the miracle of God. Stay in the prison, but it's a prison. Stay, because God has never left you. He's never left you, so stay. Now, for some of you, that's your word, but for some of you, you you have been staying, and you are still struggling with what you're seeing, right? You, you, You have stayed. You have done the best you can to be steadfast, but you're exhausted, and you keep praying, and you're still praying, but you're not seeing any sign of anything changing, and you have believed, and you're still believing, but you haven't really seen any sign of change, and I think you would wrap it all up into this question. How do I stay despite what I see? How can I stay despite what I see? So let's go back to Acts 12 again from Peter's perspective. And there's a word on here that if you're not careful, you rewrite over it and you don't think about the power of it. It says the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping. What's that word right there? Between. Sleeping between two soldiers. I've read this a lot, but it's very easy for me to overlook the power of this word because Peter is believing for God to do something. Watch this. But he is standing between Fear and doubt, right? He's, he's in between the very thing that's going to stop God from doing the miracle. But according to the Bible, he's sleeping. And, and here was where I wanted, here was the question I was wrestling all week. How does Peter have peace when he is in between two soldiers? How does he have peace when he's chained up? How does he have peace when the rumor's going around that James was just beheaded and he's next. How? Because listen to me. I have no problem having faith when the, stat, when the odds are stacked for me. Right? I, I have no problem having faith when God does little things to affirm the fact that he's working in my life. Where I struggle is when things get difficult and don't go my way, I don't want to abandon my miracle when I'm in the middle. And that's what I'm trying to figure out. I was trying to figure it out for you, not just for me, but for you. How do we, how do, we do that? I, I, I've talked to a lot of you over the past, I don't know, year and a half since all this started. And we've had a lot of stuff happen. And, and some people's stuff is certainly related to the pandemic and fear, but some of you, it's just, it's, it's normal life issues along with that. And you're almost in between. You know what I mean? Like, everything that's happened recently is on this side. And then a personal struggle is on this side. And, and you're almost in between fear and doubt. And so as I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, we have to know. What, what does Peter know that we don't know? Because I don't know about you. I, I 
think I read my Bible a good amount. I think I pray a good amount. I don't know how I compare to you. But I can tell you right now, I wouldn't have had that kind of faith in prison. I don't think I could have been sleeping while I'm chained to these guards, and there's guards at the door and the rumors of change. What does Peter know that we don't know? And so I started processing it in my mind. I'm like, all right, so Peter's sleeping. He's in prison. Peter's sleeping. He's in the middle of this issue. He's between it. He's in the middle of a problem, and he's sleeping. I was pacing in my room. He's sleeping. Why is he sleeping? He's in between, and he's sleeping. And all of a sudden, I remembered a story. You find it in the Gospels. I went back to Luke when I found it. And the disciples get in a boat with Jesus. Jesus says, we're going to go from here to the other side of the island, other side of the area. So they get in the boat, and they start to go. And all of a sudden, this storm comes. And it says, the Bible actually said in Luke, that the water was pouring into the boat. And it says that the disciples start to freak out. And they go, where's Jesus? And they look at Jesus. And do you know what Jesus was doing? He was sleeping. So then they go and wake Jesus up. Because that, that was my point where I was like, all right, all right. Peter's sleeping in between. Jesus is sleeping in between. Peter's sleeping in the middle. Jesus is sleeping in the middle. So there has to be some, Peter, something had to happen to Peter in that moment that stuck in Peter enough that later on, it's brought back, because the Bible says the Holy Spirit will bring back to remembrance the things of God. So there had to be a moment where Peter remembered something that happened on that boat that gave him peace in between the soldiers so that he could sleep like Jesus did. So I read the story. I wanted to refresh myself. And what happens, they go wake up Jesus, and Jesus comes in, and the Bible says Jesus rebukes the storm. And then he looks at them, and he says, where's your faith? And I thought, man, that's tough, Right? That's tough because I don't, I don't think Jesus expected them to rebuke the storm. I don't know that they would have been that spiritually mature yet to know, oh, I could speak to a hurricane. I, and I don't even think it's necessary that Jesus didn't expect them to have a little bit of fear as water's coming into the boat. Because let's be honest, if I'm in a boat and water starts to fill it up, I'm going to be a little worried, which is natural. And so I was trying to figure out where, what is, Jesus' reprimand here, what is he, what's he teaching? What's the point? What's he showing us? So I went back and I read it again, and I read it again, and I read it again. And then all of a sudden it hit me. Before they ever got on the boat, Jesus said, come on, we're going to go from here to the other side. Jesus told them they were going to get there. They got scared because they were afraid they weren't going to make it. Jesus said, you don't have faith because I've already told you what I'm going to do. And you're allowing what you see to allow you to not hear what I said. And all of a sudden, I started to realize, you go with me, that the answer to keeping my faith is to focus on what he said and not what I see. That's the answer for me. How could Peter be in between? Because he closed off his senses so he could hear his spirit. Did you catch me? Because if you're going to hear the spirit that's in you, you got to shut off the senses. Because as long as you can see that it ain't going your way, you will deafen the spirit that's in you. 
And so God says, hey, don't worry about what you see and don't worry about what you hear. I don't care. It was James' time, but it's not yours. Stop worrying about what you see and listen to what I said. And I think Peter said, I'm just going to close my eyes. I'm just going to look different. The other day, (laughs) I was talking to, I don't remember if it was Vader or Casey's, one of my kids. And uh, I was looking for the remote control. You ever had these problems where your kids lose their remote control? And I yelled at one of them. They came downstairs, and I said, you know, find the remote control. I was in the middle of doing something. I said, I got to do something. Find the remote control for me. And so she came back, and she said, Dad, I didn't find it. I said, did you look? She said, yes, I looked. I said, did you really look? Because I know how you look. This is how you look. Nope, I don't see it. Right? Am I right? I said, you need to look different. Go in there and lift something up, right? Go in there and stick your hand inside the couch area and di- like, like look different. I think the word for you and the word for me right now is we need to learn to look different. We need to lift up our eyes, right? We need to be able to look differently. I want to look with my spirit. I want to look with my faith. I want to look with what God has already told me. I want to look with his word. I don't want to look with my eyes. Because if I look with my eyes, I'm going to be overwhelmed by the fact that not only is there one guard, there's two guards. Not only is there one chain, there's two chains. Not only is there a door, but there's guards outside the door because I'm looking with my eyes. Holy Spirit, let me see with what God already said. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes. You should write it down. You're a tattoo person. You should probably get it tattooed on you. Not promoting. There we go. All right, I got, all right, we got one. I just think it's so powerful. Watch this. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the cloud will not reap. Here's what he's saying. Whoever's looking at the clouds trying to guess if it's going to rain, out of fear and doubt, just won't plant. But for the individual who just trusts God, despite what they see, they plant based off of what he said, not what they see. Does that make sense? And so if you're in this place and you, you came here today believing for something and you're exhausted because it just hasn't gone the way that you expected it to go, listen to me. Stop looking at the clouds. Stand on what he said. Don't stand on what you see. And I'm learning this just as you are. Don't get me wrong. But I'm trying to get to a place when it comes to my life as a Christian, when it comes to me as a husband and me as a parent. My goodness, I have an 11-year-old who acts like an 18-year-old, and I can't be focused on what I see. I got to trust what God said, that if I will train them up in the way that they should go, they will not depart from it got to trust what he said. I can't trust what I see. But here's the problem. You ready? Most of us don't know what he said. And you can't have faith in what he said if you don't know what he said. Do me a favor. Stand with me for a moment. I'm going to pray, but before I pray, I want to give you homework. Is that cool? Is that okay? Can I give you homework? Thank you. Man, whoever that is, we're hanging out. I'm taking you to lunch. 
Here's your homework. Find out what he says. Whatever your situation is, because here's what's so crazy about the way that this world works, is you're in a room with 100 people or whatever it is, and everybody's dealing with different stuff. For some of you, it's physical. For some of you, it's mental. For some of you, it's spiritual. For some of you, it's relational. Everybody's dealing with something different. And I'm listening, listen, listen. Prayer is you talking to God. Scripture is God talking back to you. Go find out what he said. What did he say about that? What did he say? And when you know what he said, you can stand on what he said instead of focusing on what you see. Amen? Do me a favor. Close your eyes. Just, just, just this is between you and the Lord. You may be one who hands up. You may not be maybe one who speaks out. You may not be. But this is just a moment for you to be able to communicate with the Lord about what it is that you've been struggling with. Whatever it is right now. You know he knows it. But here's your first prayer. Father, help me stay. Give me the power to stay. I want to be able to stay. I want to be able to keep my faith when everything around me isn't going the way that I want it to go. And then, Father, what do you say? Help me stay and tell me what you say. I didn't even mean for that to rhyme, and it rhymed. Father, help us to know what it is that your word speaks to our situation. Father, we're, we're listening more to Facebook statuses and tweets about our situation than we are your word. You can't have strong faith when we don't know what you said. I'm speaking to somebody right now. You know it. You have been so focused on what you see around you. And this is the Holy Spirit telling you right now, you haven't even stopped to think about what does he say about it? What does he say? Thank you, Father, for your word that it's alive. It's like a two-edged sword that pierces our heart, separates soul, spirit. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you speak to every situation. I pray right now for every person in this room, if there's somebody in here who doesn't know you, they've never received you as their Savior, Father, I pray they do that today. All you have to do, the Bible says, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. You believe Jesus died for your sins. And then we as a church can come alongside of you and we can help disciple you walk with you. Father, for every person in here who is saved, for those who've run away, Father, like the prodigal son, let them run back into your arms. They've been avoiding coming back to you because of what they see. Let them hear what you say. And then, Father, for everyone in here who's been struggling with faith in an issue, I pray right now for supernatural comfort, supernatural faith, supernatural courage, supernatural confidence. Somebody in here hadn't been able to sleep. Father, let them sleep. Holy Spirit, I pray right now. For those who can't sleep,
There's a supernatural rest that comes with your Holy Spirit. Jesus knew it. Peter knew it. Father, it's still available to us today. But we need you. Come on, just however you would do it, just say, Father, I need you. I need you. 